Greetings, film fans, and may the force be with you. Welcome to episode 16 of The Big Review Ski, the film show from Joe and her coming to you from a galaxy far, far away. Now, even though a lot of people call The Big Review Ski a piece of junk, um, it did manage to make the castle run in less than 12 parsecs. So if it's good enough for Han Solo, then it's good enough for us. I'm your host, Owen DeHarty, and I'm delighted to be joined by two of the most stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf headers in the entire galaxy. It's Paul Moore and Rory Cashin. Is there hi guys. Hi. Hey. How's it going? Happy I feel, Happy Star Wars. I was going to say, I feel there might be a theme to this week's episode. That was, that was my favourite intro we've had. I don't mind being called that. You can call me that again. A scruffy looking nerf herder. Woo. Um, pair of scoundrels, both of you. Thank you. Um, how are you both keeping? Yeah, good. Better than you. Oh, listen, lads. I'm. If I die during this week's <laughs> show, will you tell my friends and family that I love them? Is it so very much? Oh, yeah. I, I think I've got to keel over at some point. I'm just gradually. I think 97 percent of my body is snot at the minute. Oh, yeah, I know. Oh, it's dude. not pleasant. I'm really sorry. That's why I got a roll of toilet paper sitting here beside me. Oh, that's why. That's for the nose. Gotcha. That's for the nose. Is it strange when you said made a made a fourth fourth force be with you? I just thought made a like you know. Um, I, I just want to say amen and peace be with you. No, that's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah no, thinking, and, yeah. and also that's with that's you. That's that Catholic thing just coming out of me, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, in case you hadn't picked up, it is a bit of a Star Wars special this week. Um, it's May the 4th. Isn't it official Star Wars Day? Did they just claim it? Well, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. like Alien Day is like 27th of April. Because LV426. Yeah, that's oh, right. Oh, yeah. right. Very good. So it's an easy marketing day. And that's uh, that day is this week on this episode weak release of words <laughs> <laughs> well it clearly worked on us because we're uh, as I said doing um, a bit of a Star Wars theme this week and much like Princess Leia called uh, on Obi-Wan Kenobi for help in A New Hope we're calling on you to the lovely listeners what's it Laura who what? Who uh, didn't understand listen, Obi-Wan? Oh, she and thought... And she thought it was Obi-Wan? Obi-Wan, wasn't it? Oh, like she thought Obi-Wan's O-N-E. name was the number one. Yeah. Obi-Wan, um, which is not true. No. Um, uh, yeah, we're calling on you, the lovely listeners, to get in touch. You can tweet us on Twitter at Big Reviewski, or you can WhatsApp us on 087-400-1103. Or just use the force. You can use the force. Send or a hologram. If you have the technology, send a Rudy Nudie via a hologram yes. so we can get a, a, go, a go good Go full good Last look. Jedi and use, the, use force time. <laughs> force, <laughs> is that what it's officially called now? Yeah. Um, so following on from our Avengers special last week, we're travelling from the Marvel Cinematic Universe to the galaxy far, far away. Uh, we're going to be chatting to the star of The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, uh, Miss Daisy Ridley, a.k.a. Um, Ray. And whatever episode nine's called. And whatever, and whatever episode nine is going to be called. Mm. Um, and plus, we've also got some fantastic film goodies to give away, and some hairy high clues that are hairier than everyone's favourite fuzzball. <laughs> oh, Rory! <laughs> I was going to go Rory, but I or I am, I am slightly hairier. You're you're way hairier. Um, now though, it's time for. <laughs> How do you segue out of that? I feel sicker than usual again. Uh, now it's time for the big question on the big review ski. Last week we wanted to know what is your favourite film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Rory, you went for Winter Soldier. Yes, Paul, I did, and I uh, wrote a piece on it actually as well. It's up on site if you want to read. And uh, I went for Avengers Assemble. Yes, you do. Um, thanks to everyone else who got in touch, including Brian Griffin, who straight in with Infinity War, no question. Mm. Um, Tom McNicholas went for Thor Ragnarok. Good show. Uh, Aaron Conroy, also a fan. Uh, he's 
Civil War was his number one. Ken Gorey went for Winter Soldier. He said, earned the Russo brothers the key to the Marvel Kingdom. Fair. Um, which is a very fair point. Uh, Stephen Kelly, same as myself, Avengers Assemble. Let's be friends, Stephen, yeah. Um, <laughs> Kevin Doyle, could be the footballer, might not be. He said the first Iron Man was pretty good. And somebody called Jonas Savino, and they put their middle name in, in his Thanos, so they're obviously committed to the Marvel cause. He's gone full Owen on it. He picked... It's a draw between Infinity War... Ragnarok, Spider-Man, and Winter Soldier. So it's you four well, films in first. Might as well just list the other fifteen while you're at <laughs> yeah. it. You know? There's Does already that count as a draw? <laughs> <laughs> there's already a lot of love for Infinity War. A number of people well, I, were picking it up as their as their number one film in I the think Marvel. I sent it to you, Paul. Yeah. Uh, we're already on the IMDb users voter page. It's like the was it the nineteenth highest voted movie of all time? Something like that. Yeah. Some crazy high number like it's up there already with like Shawshank Redemption and The Godfather Part 2 amazing so, we yeah, will be we will be talk- it probably makes some kind of appearance in the top 10 this week that's just we're just going to hazard a guess might creep in maybe but one of the listeners to the show and readers on Joe um, Adrian Brennan he kind of summed it up he said Infinity War for him it's the number one film it's got the best villain the best score mm-hmm. uh, the Despite its runtime and the massive cast, uh, it never buckles under its own weight, and it delivers on the promise made ten years ago. You know, I'm here to talk about the Avengers uh, initiative, and it felt like the proper culmination of all of that. Um, yeah. So it's hard to argue with any of that. I don't know about the score. Was yeah. That, was it Sylvester? Did the Sylvester? Score? Alan Sylvester, who's probably most famous for doing Back to the Future, um, was involved in Infinity War. They've had a mixture of composers over the year, years. Um, and Michael Giacchino, I think, has done the majority of them, possibly. Uh, he's done definitely some of them, anyway. Yeah, but Sylvester, anyway, was in uh, on this one. Um, so, yeah. A lot to agree with, Adrian. Steve McCann, uh, who's probably been smoking some kind of crack pipe, his <laughs> answer was probably Iron Man 2. Mm. So was, Howard, was Howard the Duck second? Is that <laughs> yeah, it was in there. Uh, this week, though, moving away from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Paul, what is your super Star Wars question? Staying in the galaxy that's far, far away. Obviously, we were all looking forward to Solo coming out in the next few weeks. And uh, aside from the episodic films, which we're getting, which J.J. Uh, Abrams is doing episode nine uh, coming up soon, uh, I think next year it's out we're getting spin-offs and the Obi-Wan Kenobi is uh, that's it uh, in production I think uh, hopefully filming in in Ireland as well so on that note I was wondering who is your favourite Star Wars character in the entire galaxy yep Okay. Well, See, uh, I'm not a massive Star Wars. Well, I was going to say a fan. bit of context yeah. because yeah. Rory, you're not overly fussed on Star Wars to begin with. No, you like freak. <laughs> up until you hairy freak. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So complimentary today. Up like I like it'll give you a good um, barometer of where I'm coming from. Um, up until it's Spock is your favorite Star Wars uh, character. He, yeah, he is pretty cool to be fair. <laughs> but use, the, use the force. No, like uh, General Grievous. From Revenge of the Sith, yeah, he's That's your favorite. I, I thought he was the coolest one. Yeah, he's he was unbelievably cool. Yeah, yeah, with the forearms and the and like he, yeah, like, he had robot asthma. <laughs> he did have robot Kinda asthma. Like Owen has now. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like General Grievous. All You're right, making oh. it out Grievous, and now you've got this 
I know I'm way uh, way less cool than him though. So yeah, he had basically picked up a number of lightsabers off Jedi that he had he killed. Was a this guy ass, yeah. was he knew how to kill the good guys. Yeah, um, and involved in some brilliant action sequences as well. General Grievous, I'll take that. He's great okay. in the uh, the Clone Wars cartoons as well. That kind of character is I'm I'm, I'm nerding out here, but his backstory is really interesting as well. It's pretty pretty of cool. how he became because he's half droid and half alien. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Did he explain yeah. how he got robots? <laughs> he's allergic to cats. He got he was uh, hanging out with Owen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Me and him, we were shifting. Um, Paul, who's your favourite? I'm. I'm going to go uh, clearly. Yeah, solo. It can't. It can't be any different. <laughs> he is for me. I just love the disdain kind of Harrison Ford played that role. With it's kind of like I'm too cool. I don't want to be associated with Star Wars and the way he played it. But um, it, it's synonymous with him. Um, and the delivery of that I know line for Empire Strikes Back I love the fact that he improvised that on the set and he just kind of said that and he like even hated the dialogue that famous George Lucas you can write this shit but you can't say it stuff like that he clearly doesn't want to be associated with it but it all just feeds into the myth of the character you know he's kind of this lovely amalgamation of western heroes rogue and you know just he's a badass he's an anti-hero he shouldn't be in it but he gets the best lines and he gets the princess we actually did a poll on Joe last year I think it was uh, or it was around the time to mark the release of Rogue One and you know a massive poll of like 32 of the top characters in Star Wars and to whittle it down and thousands and thousands of people voted and Han Solo came out on top which is uh, she's, it's no real surprise um, he's just immense everyone like men want to be him uh, women want to be with him some men probably want to be with him as well and sure. some women probably want to be him sure. um, he's just incredibly <laughs> you're right. cool yeah I'm just thinking about Han Solo there <laughs> so yeah um, I again Han Solo is an unbelievable character but I think the most I don't know if cool is, is the right word I love R2-D2 mm. um, just I knew you were going to say this. Why? I just felt it in my bones. I knew you were going to say... But it's like every film in that France, comes Owen, along. Owen is resisting the urge to do his classic 10 answers. I know, exactly. Here. Yeah, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I, I got a wax, I gotta wax lyric character. about the Emperor and like, you know, uh, like all these tiny characters. Well. It's just everyone would be dead after the first 10 minutes if it wasn't for R2-D. Well, not the first 10 minutes, but the first film. He just mm. saves everybody in every single film. Yeah. Um. So for, for that reason, he's the true hero and the true star of Star Wars in my opinion That's he's got all the best lines as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah beep that beep oh listen it's how you beep don't though you it's make how me you cry <laughs> yeah I love that bit I mean, uh, sad yeah. beep so uh, that's a general grievous I like that uh, Han Solo and R2-D2 um, so yeah let us know who your favourite Star Wars characters are in the entire galaxy now I'm shuffling paper oh. because things are about to get uh, it's about to get tense here in the studio why? because we're about to do a high clue oh okay I yeah. thought you were going to play that Goddamn music again. <laughs> no, I would never yeah, do that. No, no, never. no, no, no that's gone. That's, that's never making Don't an appearance. Worry about it. That's, uh, that's long off. behind us. Um, so, this is the part of the show where uh, we give an example high clue, our little film riddle, and later on the show we will have our competition high clue. But, Rory, you've prepared a little teaser for us this week. I did, yeah. Now, okay. I've got options. Showgirls. It's never a count to be Showgirls <laughs> you again. You got it wrong. Ever again. Okay. After we did Showgirls and Hold you on didn't a get it. Hold on a second. What? I didn't get it wrong. I just didn't get it right. Okay? There's a difference. Mm. Anyway. It's like I didn't come second. She just <laughs> yeah. lost. I refrained from providing an answer. <laughs> right. We've got two options here. You wrote two? Kind of. Okay. So there's an easy one. Hi, two. There's an easy one. Okay. Or 
a hard one. Okay, well, now we feel under pressure that if we don't get the easy one, then you we're, won't we're, get the hard one. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, let's do you know what? Okay, let's start with the easy one. Okay, and work our way up from there. Okay, okay. Do you need a pen? No. You're uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> doing Rain Man on it. Here Young. Yeah. Genuine. Uh huh. Class. It's <laughs> just a, a list of adjectives. Okay. Swan. Mm-hmm. Is actually. Swan. Okay. And the second swan is a capital S. Oh, capital S. With okay. two N's. Oh, go on, your boy, yeah. Toad. Fight. Mm-hmm. Is highlight. Toad fight is highlight. And this is the easy one. Mm. Okay, let's do a quick syllable count there. Young, genuine class. Swan is actually swan. Swan is actually swan. swan. Do we need one I, more this, I wrote this down. How did I? Well, we could say actually with three syllables. Swan is actually swan. Yeah, it is four. That's okay, Grant. <laughs> Toad fight is highlight. Okay. Let's see. So I have got to five, ask seven, someone what, what the syllable count was for the actually, word actually. Act- actually. How many you syllables do you... Actually. Yeah, okay. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Young genuine class. Swan is actually swan. The surname Swan. S-W-A-N-N. Yeah. What's that in reference reason, to? It's Elizabeth not... Swan. Was that a character in something? Was that Pirates of the Caribbean? Was that the character? <gasps> okay. Was that that's Kira Knightley's swan. character? Elizabeth Swan? I could be completely off. Translate, but that's what stood out. Rory's looking Rory, at is the, on the right track there? That's a hint, I can't... You're allowed okay. to say whether we're on the right no, track. I, I can say when you got the answer right. No, okay. no, no. In the, the build-up to the answer, you can There's say build whether up we're now? on the right No, no, because you, like, we're theorising and we're figuring it out as we go what on. What was the question? Is Swan in relation to Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth Swan, Kira Knightley? Yes. Okay. okay, so Swan is actually Kira Knightley. Swan... <laughs> That's not my nose swizzing around. That's a bottle of something. Sorry, listeners. I needed, I needed liquid. <laughs> so, Kieran Knightley, Swan says Black Swan. Is that a question? No, I'm thinking Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. Oh, and there was a Star Wars Mina, connection Mina in episode Kunis, one, uh, Phantom Menace, because they were both in that. She was. And Kieran Knightley played... Padme's... Uh, stunt double. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Toad fight is highlight. Toad. Toad is Darth... Yeah, okay, we've got it. Yeah. Okay. We think the answer is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yes, yes. yes. Okay, so the Toad, Toad fight, fight was the uh, Gungans at the end. Am I right in saying? No, it's it? it's Darth Maul played by Ray Parks. <laughs> no, Ray Parks Parker. did it. Parker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, not that guy. And he played Toad in X Men. Oh, he did. You're right. And his fight with Qui Gon Jinn and Obi Wan Kenobi is yeah. a highlight. Amazing. Okay, sweet. Swan is actually Swan. That's good. That's good. Black Swan and Elizabeth Swan, like that. So that's Keira Knightley and Natalie Portman. Young, genuine class for the first line. Alec Guinness, The Simpsons, genuine class. That's a very obscure oh, reference. Oh, look at that. That was an, uh, an anagram in that yeah. episode when Lisa's Lisa's rival comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That is... That's very uh, good. Yeah. That, 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 that's going into different universes and everything. I like that I feel one. like I don't even smoke, but I feel like I need a cigarette. <laughs> but oh, I didn't oh. get the genuine class until you, you said it. Out loud. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. Oh, that's... Yay! Okay, we'll do the hard one later. <laughs> well, no, you can't do the hard one now. It's more or less the... It's the same answer. Oh, it's the same it's film. It's just with different... Well, what, was the, what were the different lines? See, that was the problem. I couldn't remember what the... 
what the, yeah, I couldn't remember what happened in the different prequels so I had like what syllables were can't count on Lee was one of them can't count on Lee okay can't, can't count on <laughs> I can't remember now and the other one was just the word war five times over Wharf, war. That's oh, war. That's showgirls. That's definitely that's definitely showgirls. Yeah. So the can't count on Lee. Well, that's Count Dooku. Yeah. Christopher yeah. Lee. Yeah. Okay. And then what was the war five times over? Clone Wars because it's war cloned. Ah, yeah. That's great. I'm really happy with all of those. That's great. <laughs> here, do you want to? Always uh, go for the easy option, fellas. Yeah, here, come with me. Give me your hands. No, come on. Come on. We were having such a good time. <laughs> no, no. I don't like it. You do like it. Uh, I don't like it. That it's that like, time of the week again. It bums me out every week. This bit really bums me out. I'm going to record that music and just send it to you at like three in the morning. <laughs> just wake you up. Um, <laughs> it's time for the top ten films that are out in the Irish box office uh, this week. There's a new entry in at number ten. I'm it's dying to talk about this. Sendrillin. Uh, by the Met Opera it's actually any ideas what that might be about? J.R. Tolkien's new book The Sandrillion uh, starring <laughs> Oprah Winfrey on her flying cabbage performance from A Wrinkle in Time okay, it's fair. almost yeah, joy seeing that kind of stream of consciousness there. I think it's about a new number that they found that's higher than quadrillion <laughs> this is Sandrillon C-E-N-D-R-I-L-L-O-N again I would watch both of those films that you came up with um, it's actually what does Met stand for? Uh, the Metropolitan, Metropolitan. yeah, it's uh, a New but, York opera, but it's like it's it's capitalized. So I yeah, thought it was M E T stands for like Metropolitan E T, extraterrestrial. Yeah, no, that's just the way they. Another they film I would watch, E T Wild in the Met. This is one of those opera screenings uh, that's taken place all around the country. It is, of course, Jules Massenet, a fairy tale opera from eighteen ninety nine. it's basically the story of Cinderella. With Oprah. Oh, the, t- the title's kind of similar. Oprah is not... You just keep reading the word opera wrong. Yeah. Harpo. Is Oprah, <laughs> is Oprah good enough? <laughs> Oprah is amazing in that. Yeah. Um, number nine. I don't think Oprah's in this one. Love Oprah. Uh, it's Love Oprah. Love Simon. And then number eight is... Well, Love Simon. Fans of that, 100%. Yes. Uh, number eight... This was in the box office last week, and yep. I want to see, again, have either of you learned from last week? I think see, I haven't. Go on. Astani, Pitbull, Pies and Guernsey. Literature with books. Literature with books. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what has happened, Literature Paul, this week. Literature with books. Roy, can I'm you remember the name of the film? It was the Guernsey Lit- Literary uh-huh. and Potato Peel Pie Society. Amazing! Nailed it. Yes, I'm so proud of myself. So, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society is in... To remember the name of the film. (laughs) Is in at number eight. And we actually have a little clip of this film because I... Is it the title? Because I can leave the room for half an hour. (laughs) I went to see this film. What? I know. Surprise, surprise. Here's a clip. Sydney. Uh, Just, just, just... Sydney. Hold on. One second. Dickens, like Mrs. Big. Thank you. Juliet, you cannot. Go to a book club meeting on the island of Guernsey. Oh, it's a leap of faith they'll even let me in. You're reading in Cambridge Friday. But the society they meet on a Friday. I can't wait. I'll only be gone the weekend back Monday. Edinburgh. You're in Edinburgh Monday. I honestly don't know why we provide you with an itinerary. I really don't. I don't. I just don't. Well, this is your fault. You said yes to the Times. Excuse me, my fault? <laughs> Sydney. What books? What reading did for these people. Finally, I'll have something serious to write. Mm. This wouldn't be just to get out of reading Izzy in Cambridge, would it? Oh. 
You're not. You're not running away. Ha <laughs> ha! You're too funny. Hello. Oh my god. <laughs> what did you think of that? That clip? was the most. Uh, Fucking boring. <laughs> Welcome to the film. I couldn't. I couldn't zone in on, on, on anything Question. that they were saying. So we were listening to. She said Mo- Edinburgh twice. So something <laughs> you is got those happening bits. in Edinburgh. Where do the pies be at? Do you know what? There actually are pies Guernsey. in this one. Guernsey. That's the exact location. Do they look nice? The no, because they're made of potato peel. They look mm-hmm. horrific. So we put a background on the film first of all. That was Lily James. She plays Juliet Ashton, who is an author. And uh, we also heard Matthew Good, who is her publisher, a guy called Sydney. Um, yeah, I did not like this film at all. <laughs> Basically, it's set uh, kind of in the aftermath, along with flashbacks to World War Two. She is this really successful female author in London who is looking for her next big project. And she starts a letter correspondence with a pig farmer on Guernsey who's asking her about advice on books and things like this. And basically, she falls in love with the people that he talks about in his letters and she's like I have to go to Guernsey basically so she doesn't go to Edinburgh Rory that's that's I know I'm sorry but um, so she makes her way there Luckily for her, the pig farmer is the most ridiculously handsome man in the world. Well, that works out. Yeah, so that worked out really that's, that's nicely. Good for um, so while she's there, she kind of meets all the characters and the people that he's been talking about, and they kind of uncover this really boring story as they go along. Cool. It's <laughs> it's just listen. It has some lovely moments in it. Uh, I don't know if either of you watched Downton Abbey. I'm aware of it. <laughs> I'm aware of the show. Um, it's basically, there's so many people from Downton Abbey in it. But the thing about Downton Abbey is that it's actually really well written in places as sure. well. Unlike this film, mm. um, it's just so goddamn boring for a lot tell of me, it. Tell me yes. this. Were you the only person in the audience under the age of 70? It's a good question. I was definitely one of the few people under the age of 70. A lot of, after that grey dollar... Um, there was a lot of older couples there, and even the trailers for it. There's a <laughs> there was a trailer beforehand for a film called Book Club, which is Diane Keaton, I Jane just, Fonda. Oh my god! When you said Book Club, I was like, I bet Diane Keaton is in that film. Yeah, it's such <laughs> a Diane Keaton film title. Basically, about a, a book club of older ladies who read Fifty Shades for the first time. Uh, so they've made a film about people reading Fifty Shades. Uh, that will probably be better than the film Fifty Shades. Very possibly, fair. but that kind of sums up that that's the audience that they're playing for. Uh, to this, I would not recommend this film. I actually think, like Lily James, I have been a fan of her in things like uh, Baby Driver, and of course Cinderella. She's linked to uh, that Oprah film that you were talking about. Um, but she, um, right, <laughs> Cinderella, <laughs> I, yeah. But she actually, but she's one of the weaker kind of aspects in this. But I don't think she's got much to work with in terms of script as, uh, as well. So no. So I assume she doesn't end up at the hunky pig farm in the end. I'm not going to spoil it. Oh no. Yeah, you'll just have to go and see it for yourself. Oh well. Um, yeah. Anyway, moving on from that film. Uh, number seven is Duck Duck Goose, which appears to be the new greatest showman Climbing because it's up not. The charts. We were convinced that it was <laughs> going to leave the chart, but it is moving in the opposite direction, uh, making its way towards the top. Number six is Truth or Dare, an unfortunately unscary uh, film. Yes, uh, avoid. Blockers. Both of you were big fans of uh, John Cena's uh, high school comedy film. And, yep. And butt chugging. And butt chugging as well. Well, well 
context. That makes it sound like both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Only Paul is a fan of butt chugging. Yes. Uh, number four is Peter Rabbit making an absolute fortune. Number three is Rampage. Now, we only hinted at Rampage last week. Uh, we did have The Rock on the show um, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. But the three of us actually had the chance to go and see this in the brand new 4DX screening, which is in the Cineworld uh, in Dublin. Rory, what the hell is 4DX? <laughs> Uh, okay, so 4DX is a new cinematic going experience where they try to make the film as not interactive but immersive. Uh, immer- thank you, yes. thank you, Paul. Immersive as possible. So your seats move in line with what's happening on the screen. You get splashed in the face if there's watery stuff happening wow. on the screen. Uh, snow comes down, wind machines. There's a weird like kidney punching thing in the back of the chair <laughs> if there's an action sequence. <laughs> is that not just the kid sitting behind you, no? no that was you, Owen, and you know it was. There's uh, like a weird rat tail thing under the chair as well. Yeah, the tickler, is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah. which is... It sounds Paul's really, yeah, yeah. But it'd be great for horror because it kind of just brushes against your leg and gives you kind of the heebie-jeebie vibes. Yeah. Um, what am I forgetting? There's um, no chair. They, they, there's the bubbles strobe lighting, well. oh, the, the bubbles. bubbles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Strobe lighting, yeah. There's a lot of aspects to it and initially you're like well how how can I even focus on the film when all of this is going on around you but uh, I think we all settled down after the first 15 minutes because we did not stop giggling for the first 15 minutes because it is really really funny when you're just doing it but then the longer the film goes on you do kind of lose yourself into it and it is really really fun yeah I think Rampage was probably the perfect film to oh, yeah. experience in 4DX with the seats actually moving. It'd be interesting if there was like a re-release of like say Schindler's List or an Aaron Sorkin film where it's just like, this isn't working at all. It smells like the White House. Oh, smells! <laughs> I forgot about smells. the smells, smells, yeah. Oh, of course because there was burnt toast yeah, at the beginning as smell. well. So, um, it's it's a bit of a bonkers experience but it's, I think if you're going to go out, say with a couple of friends and have a few drinks and then go and pick the right film to go and see. They mm. did trailers for uh, Avengers Infinity War, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom Incredibles and Solo, Solo is that what you saw, yeah. and Solo, so those three films are obviously uh, really well matched to this kind of technology as well um, but it is that kind of a novelty thing that you you make an event of it and you're mm. going, we're going to have a brilliant night tonight and we're going to go and try it. There was uh at, like, I'd say maybe like a 12 year old boy was sitting beside me in the seats and he had the time of his life he loved every single second of it yeah. he was punching the air he was whooping and hollering and you know hands over his face and he was like ah so the film combined with the moving seat and the bubbles and the burnt toast smell <laughs> uh, it and just, the rock it, and the rock as well George. just made his night so um, would you go back would you do it again I would I yeah, think, I would, I think yeah. it's, as you mentioned it very much depends on the film that's there I think it'd be great for horror great for big budget action and uh, I got a chat actually with the GM of Cineworld saying that they're very much open to catering genetically modified the exp- <laughs> Jurassic World the experience for audience demand so if there's enough interest in people to go see a horror there or if they want to see even an animation they will make it happen um, so it's it's very much in the early stages but yeah I think for an experience it's the type of thing you'll do maybe once every month two months maybe yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, like like you both said, I wouldn't be rushing out to see uh, potato peel pie in there. Ever. E- or ever. Or <laughs> anywhere. Those, but, those pies <laughs> would smell good. <laughs> they would. But like now that I've seen Infinity War and I've taken the plot in, I would go see it again in that screen because I imagine it would be a fun time. I'd say the jump, the jump scares for horror would be great. Like yeah. the little shake. They said stuff. it 
while it was screened in other screens around the world in the 4DS screens and it was fantastic perfect Class. for it yeah um, yeah so uh, that's a thumbs up for us and as for Rampage the film itself we are all fans of it yes go, go see it in 2D 3D 4DX <laughs> everything it's just everything. great uh, number two in uh, the Irish box office this week is A Quiet Place and they've announced a sequel to that mm. as well I don't know if John Krasinski is going to be involved in that or how that's going to work I think it's just the screen um, where it is at the moment or yeah. other, that are confirmed yeah but they've obviously realised they're on to a winner and if you do have another story set in that world um, it's it's going to work. It's going to work. Absolutely, to get the audience for it now as well. Definitely, and it appears there is a new entry. It's the greatest showman's back. <laughs> it is greatest showman <laughs> has wiped the floor with everybody else. It is, of course, Avengers: Infinity War. Now, both of you had gone to see it this time last week. Yes, um, a brilliant non-spoiler packed review. Thank you. No, thank you for not ruining my life. I did get a chance to go and see it at a midnight screening, um, and I've never seen a cinema so busy. At three, like, uh, and this was three a.m. Once the film had finished, yeah, and the place was rammed with die-hard Marvel fans, and it seems like everybody. And as we said, from people picking out their favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe film, fans have taken to this one, or they've taken it into their hearts. It's like they love Infinity War. There's a lot to talk about. I know both of you have written because uh, there's a lot of questions, mm. a lot of questions, which you can see up on Joe. Which are clearly spoiler warned in advance. Oh yeah, no, no, there's, yep. listen, if you haven't seen the film, it's clearly marked that there are spoilers galore in there. But, uh, yeah, well, all three of us, I think, absolutely love the film. Well, yeah. Yeah, I oh. think... Has anyone gone to see it for a second time yet? I've no, seen it twice. No, Have you? I yeah. probably will go see it again before next week. But I feel like the more I think about it, the more I think it's going to be impossible to judge until we see the second, second one. That's a good yeah. yeah. What I like, in fairness, you're, you're reading all these reports and that it's smashing records. I think it's fully deserved for the time oh, and yeah. patience and planning Marvel have put in for the 10 years. Like These films are always going to make money, but there's clearly love and passion from Kevin Feige and all the people at Marvel to plan something this ambitious and execute it like this they deserve all the success they want and I've seen backlashes and I've seen uh, certain criticisms saying that oh uh, it shouldn't be a standalone film well that's the point of it it's not supposed to be a standalone film this is the culmination of 10 years of really hard work 19 films where as I said last week maybe only 3 or 4 you could probably say are bad and even then they still have moments in them it deserves to make all the money it has and as Rory said I'm pumped in it see what Ant-Man's coming and Captain Marvel and what else on the slate you know so fair play to them yeah we've just had the, the brand new trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp as well which looks like a lot of fun like kind of the upper you need definitely yeah. and it kind of yeah it feels like the perfect thing to follow up uh, Infinity War with yeah. as well um, I as I said did get a chance to go and see it um, really really enjoyed it Thanos is I know whenever we were talking about Black Panther we were saying Killmonger played by Michael B. Jordan is one of the best villains that they've had in years mm. and that's two in a row now because Thanos is just a super uh, a super bad guy yeah. did you and did you like we and Rory had that kind of dispute last did you oddly you, find yeah. yourself buying into his logic yeah, because Paul, you're a genocide. massive fan of genocide. I'm not a huge fan of genocide. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Rory, not so much. Um, but no, <laughs> there's there's weird. I don't know what type of creature Thanos is. This kind of purple, purple, <laughs> big, big purple Paul O'Connell type looking guy. Uh, but he you, is. Th- there's there's a massive Twitter following now where everyone's saying that well, like people have gone to see the film and saying that they find Thanos attractive. I've oh really? That, yeah. Like uh, a lot of women are like he's kind of 
attractive. <laughs> it was like he <laughs> killed half. <laughs> <laughs> killed half of the universe. Um, yeah, no, he is. Oh, he's so good. But it, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know what type of creature he is, but he brings and Josh Brolin brings so much humanity to the role um, because it's very complex in terms of his relationships and the reason he does things and how yeah. he goes about doing those so things. So well. Anna as well was so good in those scenes. The two of them together, I thought yeah. as well. Yeah, it's brilliant because it, it just we've only had hints of her kind of background before in her relationship with Thanos and we've seen uh, Nebula have kind of interactions with Thanos uh, in bits and pieces of some of the other uh, Avengers films. But I love the fact that we're even talking about like Thanos and Zaldan relatively supporting characters to the big egos the Tony Stark you know and just because I was trying to show you how good a film it is they could have relied on the star power and the fact that we already know Iron Man and Thor and they get their lines but you, you mean everyone has their kind of moment to shine and that's really clever writing and directing as well in terms of whipping in a curveball when all this massive spectacle is going on and it's just the small little moments there that you kind of pick up on and they're the ones that kind of stayed with me last week yeah and as both of you mentioned last week uh, Tom Von Aller as Ebony Maw just he is so good in that role and you can you can tell obviously Irish audiences will be way more familiar with him as an actor but you can just tell like little movements and little delivery of lines here and there that it's just it's just him basically yeah. um, he so, does the voice really well oh it's so good yeah. and his interactions with uh, Doctor Strange especially yeah. um, are really really well done I love this little hand movements all yeah. behind the back and it's very like like a like a dandy butler it's like a like butler that, or yeah, a conductor or something and he has an yeah. air of condescension about him for, and to everyone else and it was so well played I thought and even though the mocap and stuff is great you still get a sense that it, there is an actor here doing this performance you know and it is an amazing performance did it hold up second time around for you? it does actually yeah uh, as I said last week I thought it does suffer from a, a fair amount of what the, all the other Marvel films the, the action sequences can get a bit repetitive and they could be edited a bit but the, the one-liners I was still laughing at them um, and yeah I'm absolutely pumped to see what's coming here and in, like 19 films in it's impossible to be cynical about what I'm, re- I'm excited to see where they're going to take it yeah. the next next, next film it's the most ambitious thing in film history I know we've had Lord of the Rings mm. but again there was just three films I know incredibly long and detailed and uh, like massive projects but uh, like as you said, 19 films, even the Star Wars films, they have the out of, well, this trilogy is separate from that trilogy, mm. so you don't need the same characters or the same actors. And um, Harry Potter is probably one of the other... It's the only real comparison. Big, yeah, that, that's eight films. Like, <laughs> like they've, less than half. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, big fans here, and congrats to everyone at Marvel. They'd be delighted to hear that we're congratulating them. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're... yeah. Over the moon. If they can just like dig out from the pile of money that they're under right now. Exactly. Um, now, speaking of one of those other big franchises, uh, Star Wars, Paul, I know you're a massive fan, as am I. Uh, the Last Jedi, whenever it was released at Christmas, really split audiences. I know both of us did enjoy the film. Um, we had a chance to chat with Daisy Ridley at the time. And the DVD and the Blu-ray and everything is out now. And we thought... Uh, with the celebration of Star Wars Day uh, being this week, whenever you're listening to this uh, podcast, um, that we would go back and revisit uh, The Last Jedi and our interview with her. So just before we get stuck into uh, that, this is the wonderful Daisy Ridley um, talking to myself on The Last Jedi. Daisy, it's wonderful to meet you. Thank you. This is Oh, this poster actually lights up, does it? It does. That's very There's impressive. There's some funky little things I've done there. I don't know what. Yeah, I, don't I like know how. that. <laughs> it's magical looking. Um, congrats on the last Jedi. Thank really you. enjoyed it. Thank you happy you. with it? Um, uh, sure. Yeah. 
Let's go with that. Well, you've had a chance to see the film, did you? We watched it as a cast a few weeks ago. And then we got to the LA premiere and I was like, I'm fine, like, watching it again. And then everyone's like, we're watching it. And I was like, OK, and then I'll watch it. Okay. But then last night I did go to dinner. Because there's a limit to how many times one can see oneself on screen. The rest of the film is fantastic, but that is, like, enough of that. And you need to eat as well. I was so hungry. Yeah. Do you have anything nice? This, this press stuff is, is hard work. <laughs> really? We went to Mr Chow, actually, and um, somebody did a great order. I'm a vegan. Did a great order for me. It was very delicious. Very delicious. Good. So it was worth it. Yeah. The fans are obviously ready for the film. It's going to be mm. unleashed uh, upon the world. Mm. But is there one person for you or someone in particular who if they see it and they're happy with it and you're like watching them, you're like, OK, I'm happy. It's my family, really. And it's not like it's not like if they like the film, I know it's a good film. I just... Yesterday I was thinking, why am I so tense? Oh, my God. And I just... It's like like acting whatever it is that we all do that everyone does it takes so much of your life and when you're away like I've basically been away all year and we did this two years ago and for six months solidly you're working so many hours that you're not seeing your family as much and and working really really hard and I think all it is um, I mean also I'm like 25 maybe it'll change but like you just want your parents approval don't you and uh, and your big sisters to go good job Definitely. No, I think they'll love it. Mm. Yeah. They saw it last night. Oh, did they? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was... Uh, I'm actually so relieved that they've now seen it, so I'm just like, oh. And breathe. Yeah. Yeah. But they're the ones I was like, ah! Now, uh, I'm Irish, so here no. come the inevitable Ireland questions. Um, Skellig Michael. <laughs> yeah, Skellig Michael. But uh, I was wondering, obviously the Porgs uh, have been a massive hit uh, with everybody. Did you hear about the town in Ireland that changed its name from Port McGee to Porg McGee? What, Port McGee, where you get the boat to Skelly yeah. Michael? Mm-hmm. They officially changed officially. the name. <laughs> yeah, for like a, a temporary period of time. Oh, my God. they got a massive sign made up uh, in the Star Wars one that says Porg McGee. Has it, has it changed things for them? I think, <laughs> I think they're hoping it does. Brilliant. But uh, I know you were busy working in the bar there as well. Oh, yeah. Pulling the pints. That was in Dingle. Oh, that was in Dingle. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. We filmed, we filmed with Skelly Michael. We went right up north. We went to the south and we were in Dingle. Um, but no, I was putting pints there, yeah. I'm a good bartender. Um, well, I was just going to say, uh, what was your particular like favourite memory away from the camera? That was a great memory. Because that night, um, I loved to bartend. There were a load of people there and I loved to be busy. Um, and then Ryan and I jigged so much that I literally sweated all the makeup off my face. And there's a satisfaction in that when you go to the toilet and think, I look like shit. But uh, it was all worth it. But the jig was worth it, yeah. definitely. How were the Irish customers? Were they all right? Oh, they were fantastic. Okay. Such nice people. You didn't have to chuck anyone out. No. Okay, sorted. Daisy, it's been a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Something inside me has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. Raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Star Wars. Um, the Last Jedi. <laughs> Daisy Ridley. She's she's great. What do you think of hers, Ray? Great smile. Great teeth. 
what? <laughs> <laughs> um, as Ray, yeah, I, I, I see. Like this is so strange, and it kind of ties into the last Jedi criticism. You have to understand. I think the new they're moving away from the Skywalker family legacy, and it's kind of hard to leave that aside by opening up the galaxy to force sensitive beings like Ray is. I understand entirely what they're trying to do, but I am torn because I fell in love with the story of the Skywalker family, and that's that's where my end point is. But for next generations coming in, yeah, Ray's going to be kick ass and people are going to love her. But, you know, Luke will always be Luke to me. It's interesting. Why don't you just marry him then? It's interesting that in the interview, at the start of the interview, and that's up on YouTube and up on uh, Joe as well. But a lot of the comments picked up basically at the start of the interview and you're like, oh, have you seen the film? What do you think of the film? She's like, uh, yeah. Yeah, and people picked up on that. It's like, oh my God, she doesn't like The Last Jedi. Mm. And it's, I don't think it is that at all. It's that she hates watching herself mm. up on the big screen. It's like people... There's always a bit of nerves as well. You know, like, exactly. It probably didn't open at the time. It was probably still, like, not, like, probably just nerves. Yeah, exactly. But, um, I loved The Last Jedi when I saw it and it was kind of whenever that reaction happened and even now when you read up on it uh, now that the DVD and the Blu-ray has been or they've been released if you go on to like Amazon reviews for like the actual product yeah. they're not even about the product they're just like people going <laughs> this isn't even a real Star Wars film and you're like you've gone all the way to Amazon and logged in just to complain about this here and give it a one star review um, but uh, were you fans of the film whenever it was released? Uh, yeah I think because I, I, I went to see it uh, twice and the first time I was like this is really good and the second time I, I noticed that the highlights were just as good but the low points were worse than I thought they were the first okay. time the uh, casino scene everything to do on that goddamn planet yeah. was such a waste of time <laughs> yeah. it was real Attack of the Clones filler crap yeah <laughs> um and there was just other bits and pieces in it as well where I was like why is she flying through space covered in yeah. ice like there's just there's bits in it and you're like hmm this feels a bit Lucasy to me and I expected Reen to be cooler than that but then you see like that fight scene with the red uh, the throne yeah, the battle oh well it's throne, oh, sorry oh, with the, the red fight was class yeah but with the red dust on the planet as well is no it, no is the, the, I think it was the one you were talking about the, the throne, the throne, room, throne room, scene. room that was that's just an incredible scene to watch um the, the warp drive collision scene as well which was just the, even the second time I was like that's incredible so yeah like there's a lot to love but the faults are more the faults are definitely there to be seen I think my biggest issue is the fact that I think a large part of these films are about theories and speculation and kind of what keeps fans hooked in between films and J.J. Abrams did such a good job on Force Awakens creating this new world introducing new characters but also leaving those questions unanswered like the Snoke's backstory and you know what Luke gonna do and stuff I think Johnson and I, I in a way it's very brave to literally give his definitive answer this is my film this is how I'm gonna do it but I would have liked him to pay a bit more fan service to like the theories about Ray's backstory and that could still pay off in episode 9 we don't know what's going on but he was far too definitive I think and he should have maybe been a bit more in tune with what the fans want to see but this is his film he's given this job for a reason um, I did enjoy it but yeah like even settling Ray's stuff and it's just a bit like I could have just would have liked one question mark going into episode 9 just to keep me there the next Star Wars film coming up is Solo, obviously. Yes. Uh, out quite soon as well. End of May, yeah. And I, like, when I initially 
saw the first trailer and everything I was like mm, okay I don't know am I getting sucked into this one Yeah. but now with the release of the most recent one as well the more I see of it the more I'm like I'm, I'm really starting to look forward to this film well it's had more background noise than pretty much any other film I could think of in recent times like two fantastic directors out you get we've bring in this other director so it was Phil Lord and Chris Miller who have an unbelievable track record mm. between Cloudy with a Chant of Meatballs Such a good film. 21 and 22 Jump Street as well the Lego movie uh, and yeah. the Lego movie and they brought in to do this and he was like right that's given this film already before having seen anything a certain feeler a certain tone then unfortunately they were both yoinked off the project and Ron Howard um, who knows how to do action and knows how to do drama and tension they brought him in but it feels like a much safer industry standard kind of pair of hands but uh, no the trailer I mean the world has fallen in love with uh, Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian fair Um, has he made coolest man about (laughs) I think so Donald Glover but it's like where does this come from like, he's he's always been the coolest man alive, but Atlanta, now it's just... Childish Gambino, the man, yeah, the man can do anything. 30 Rock. But the response that he's getting, uh, like, online and everything, and literally every single thing he does, because um, in community he's pretty geeky and everything as well, but he he you, still, cool. you still love he's him still anyway. Cool. But um, he just seems to be having the time of his life as Lando Carrozzi, and, like, the fashion, everything, and the, even the poses that he has in the poster. He's rocking every guy. And, and <laughs> like, is and he going to bring capes in? I hope, I think, I hope so. <laughs> and I think, actually, oddly, I know we've heard all the background noise, I think the tone of the trailer kind of nails it. It's a, it's, a, it's a heist western. I think that's fairly evident from the two, from the two trailers we've seen. And that's different to anything we've kind of seen in Star Wars, and you'd expect that from Solo in terms of he is a rogue, he's a pirate, he lives by his rules. Whether it delivers to it, because it's like, as I said, he's a favourite character from fanboys for a reason, and if they can accept anyone else except for Harrison Ford in the role, that remains to be seen. But yeah, I mean, I, it's Star Wars, I'm going to go in wide eyed and, and hoping for the best, so we're going to see what happens. 40x all the way. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's Solo, it's uh, coming soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me your cape, Donald. Um, yeah, so Last Jedi, you can get it, uh, Blu-ray, DVD, uh, it's out now. And Solo coming very, very soon as well. We will have some very cool Star Wars goodies to give away before the end of the show. We do have another uh, short interview here as well. There is a big release this week, or well, actually it's getting a limited uh, release around cinemas around Ireland. It's an Irish documentary called A Cambodian Spring, but it was actually uh, filmed and made in Cambodia over the course of six years, I think like 2009. So not, uh, not a spring then. Not a spring, not no longer than a spring. Multiple springs, multiple winters, summers, Slinky. and autumns as Slinky. well. S- that's, that's just a, the that's word. A different joke. What, what is? <laughs> I don't get that joke, and I'm like going to move. Spring. Oh, that a is slinkies. a different joke. Yeah. yeah, moving swiftly onwards. Uh, this <laughs> film is made by Chris Kelly. He's from Derry, and uh, also I'm from Derry, but I didn't know him. Are you? Yeah, swear to God. And in a small world, it turns out that. Uh, <laughs> like his mammy is best friends with my mother-in-law. Isn't that weird? Is this a really like obtuse way to get a plug-in for your mate? No, it's just like it's a small. No, he's actually got why a real you, film out as well. Your mate's film. It's on? not. I've never met him before. Um, he actually came in for a chat about a Cambodian spring along with a Buddhist monk called the Venerable Luan Sovat. So he is the main uh, kind of focus of the documentary, which tells the... It's a bit of a horrible story. Basically, there's a massive amount of corruption uh, in Cambodia. It used to be a communist country, and whenever it brought in like democratic elections, it just turns out everybody's massively corrupt. Everything is rigged. 
and all these massive companies have come in and basically doing a bunch of land grabbing and getting rid of the villagers and taking their land in order to just make loads of money basically so Chris Kelly was out there he saw this was happening and met uh, the venerable Sovat uh, while he was there and they were both filming together and he thought it would be interesting to kind of follow this guy as he documents everything that happens uh, in Cambodia so um, with a quick chat with them here. There will be um, as we did with The Cured director and star, there is going to be a separate um, upload of the full interview which you can check out bonus on episode. the big news bonus episode um, but this is just a, a little sneak peek of my chat with Chris Kelly, not not my friend although he is lovely, and the venerable Luan Sovat about a Cambodian spring. My name is Chris Kelly, I'm a documentary filmmaker from Derry and I've spent the last nine years making uh, Cambodian Spring, so I was based in Cambodia for six years and that's where I met Venerable Savat, who is a, a Buddhist monk and human rights defender. Yeah, I'm Venerable Lun Savat, come from Cambodia, so um, we come of human rights defender because of... Uh, uh, joint activity to help the uh, victim people by land grabbing or uh, human rights violation in Cambodia advocacy for justice Can you remember Chris the first time that you actually met each other and what that experience was like just bumping into each other for the first time Yeah I'd been I was just arrived in Cambodia I'd been there about a month and was at a press conference and was filming and the venerable was there and he was also filming with a little Nokia N76 or something like a really old camera phone A classic Yeah a real classic and I thought well here's somebody who's filming and documenting and I thought it would be really interesting as a filmmaker to also follow another film filmmaker and to be able to reflect on kind of the, what the role of documentary film in the wider political context and this kind of stuff. So I got speaking to the Venerable and I found out that he had studied philosophy at university and he was a keen painter and that he had been painting the story of Buddha on the walls of the pagodas all over the country and then when the, the land grab happened and his farmer's uh, land was taken he very naturally put down the paintbrushes and picked up a camera and it was very much an, it seemed like a natural progression for him and a continuation of the work that the kind of creative work that he had already been doing so it seemed very natural for him just to, to use the camera as a way to try to understand what was going on around him and I thought this would be a, make a really fascinating character or person to follow in a film as well and be able to kind of look at what role documentary can play Something is mentioned in the film and it says uh, religion belongs to the government now which is what you were talking about Venerable but was there a connection because we've got our own fair share of that in Ireland over uh, the last kind of few hundred years and thankfully it's not uh, we're not in a situation that Cambodia is in right now at this minute but was there a connection there Chris that you felt uh, between the Irish and the Cambodian people as well. You said you obviously felt this welcome and this warmth from them. Mm. But what was it about the, the connection there that you felt I have to stay in and tell this story? It was really people, to be honest. It was the bravery of the people that I'd met and their willingness to share their stories and their willingness to let me in and to document their lives and their situation, even though their allowing me to do that was putting them at greater risk of being singled out by the authorities, you know, for associating with a Westerner. And when people were 
willing to sacrifice so much and risk their own lives and risk their families and their future well-being in order to allow me to tell their story so that other Cambodians could be helped. That was something I felt a huge obligation then to stay and to document. I mean, there are, of course, a lot of similarities in the stories, but that was something that we tried in the film to really to focus on. So we try rather than it's a film set in Cambodia, but it's it looks at themes that are universally relevant. So the kind of uncomfortable role. Uh, relationship between church and state is something that comes up in most societies around the world. Um, the corrupting nature of power, the human cost of being an activist, these are all things that people can associate with anywhere, really, and that was very much something that we wanted to focus on on the film to make the story, because I'm an outsider, I'm not a Cambodian, it's not for me to tell a definitive take on what happened in the, during those years in Cambodia, it's my subjective personal account, so I tried to look for those things that I as a human being can connect to and that I hope that anyone that sees the film could also connect with. Chris Kelly, director and writer of A Cambodian Spring and the venerable Luan Sovat who contributed a lot of footage to the documentary and is also, uh, well, not star, but he's kind of the focus as Chris follows him around uh, Cambodia. So, yeah, it's... um, it's a really, really good documentary. It's a story that I knew absolutely nothing about. Before we get too much further into it, next week's episode, can you introduce me as the venerable Rory Cashin? I don't see why not. But you have to come in wearing full-on Buddhist monk robes as well. Hmm. I think you, you could you could do that. You could pull that off. I'll, I'll pull it off. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, so I knew absolutely nothing about what had happened in Cambodia. So it's a real kind of eye-opening experience watching it and just watching how these massive companies kind of divide and conquer and just people who are friends and family and all seem united under one thing and then they just divide them basically in order to wreak havoc on these communities and everything. So um, it's a fascinating story. As Chris said there, he he doesn't know whether he's allowed back into the country and a number of the people that he worked with on the film have since been arrested and uh, like whether it's like foreign journalists or local people who actually helped him as well. So it's it's quite a heavy subject matter but if you do get a chance to go and see it or if it is in a cinema near you uh, you should go and check it out as well but um, A Cambodian Spring it's released uh, on the 4th of May Happy Star Wars Day Um, other releases out this week are Tully the brand new film starring Charlize Theron this is a brilliant kind of first trailer for this but literally other than that because there wasn't too much dialogue or anything don't really know too much about it so Rory you had a chance to see that (laughs) Uh, yes, Shelley Theron is married to uh, who's that guy who played Burger in Sex and the City? Oh, and he's in Office Space as well, and he's in uh, Band of Brothers as well. Yes, uh, and he's in Sex and the City. Yeah, all we need now is his name. Ah, well, bro, um, Google Colin Burger. Colin Burger. Burger. She's she's married to Burger, and she starts the film uh, heavily pregnant with their third child, um, and as a wedding. No, not a wedding gift, a uh, birthing gift, I guess, from her rich brother. She's given a voucher for a night nurse who literally comes into your house and looks after the newborn child while you're... What's his name? Oh, I thought you were going to tell me his name. No, no, I haven't got it yet, but I'm wondering, is that is that a real thing? Like, that you can pay Apparently, someone to come yeah. to your house and look after your yeah, kids and, during the and, night? Well, that one child, the new one, and then she can sleep at night and she, then the, the nurse... Ron Livingston! <laughs> 
Got it. <laughs> she comes up uh, in the middle of the night whenever your newborn baby needs to be fed so the mother can do that and then you can just go back to sleep and the nurse is there from like, I don't know, 10pm till 7am. That is the most American thing I've ever heard. It really life. is not not ideal. And Charlie Stone is like, no, 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 I don't want that in my life at all. But after a few days of the newborn child, she's like, actually, I think I will take you up on that offer. And then Mackenzie Davis is that nanny. And she plays Tully. Yes, she does. Um... It's yes, okay. So there's there's a problem with Tully in that for the first three quarters of the film, I was like, oh, I'm totally on board with this. Um, it was written by Diablo Cody and directed by uh, Jason Reitman, who had previously worked together on Juno, which people either love or hate. Guys, love, hate, see, or um, Young Adults, which I loved for the very few people people who have seen it have loved it, and people who haven't. Just haven't seen it, so guys, love, love. Oh, good. Um, haven't seen it though. No, I <laughs> um, so this is their third collaboration, um, and it is really, really good for the first three quarters of the film. And then something happens uh, about an hour and ten minutes in, and I was like, "Oh, hang on," um, and it continues down that vein for a while, and it goes from everyone loving it like young adults to e- people either loving it or hating it like Juno for that last bit. Okay, well here's a little clip of Charlize Theron and Mackenzie Davis having a chat in Tully. You seem like a great mom. Great moms organize class parties and casino night. They bake cupcakes that look like minions. All the things I'm just too tired to do. Honestly, even getting dressed just feels exhausting. I open my closet and I just think, didn't I just do this? Yeah, but that's the downside of living on a planet with a short solar day. Although Jupiter's even shorter. You're like a book of fun facts for unpopular fourth graders. Charlie's Throne is usually amazing and everything. Like, I'm obviously, like, Mad Max, she was incredible. And yeah. obviously, slightly different role here. Sure. Um, how you Just as film? intense, though. <laughs> Just as intense, yeah. Yeah, no, she's fantastic, as per usual. Um, Mackenzie Davis is, is really, really good as well. Uh, the writing is spot on. Uh, it's, it's really subtle direction for the most part. Uh, it's a very unique um, display of motherhood, uh, one that's way more raw and way more honest than I've seen in a mainstream movie, maybe ever. Um, it, it does show the emotional, psychological turmoil that goes through having a newborn child, because normally it's like, look, she's glowing and you're just so joyous and blah, but this it's like, oh, she needs like oh God, there's a shit year everywhere. of therapy mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, a built-in jacuzzi in every room of the house should, should you just suddenly need to like chill out. Um, yeah, it's just... That bit. That bit. God, yeah. I'm intrigued to see it just for that bit now yeah. alone. In spite of that bit or because of that bit, would you recommend it to people? I would, even for, like, it is more good than bad. Um, I didn't get on, I didn't fully enjoy the direction the film went in. But even aside from that, like, all the performances and everything were fantastic. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I would. I would I would recommend it, though. Okay, cool. Uh, the other big release out in Irish cinemas this week is I Feel Pretty, the brand new comedy starring Amy Schumer. Um, here's a little clip with um, her love interest in the film, an American comedian called Ryan Scoville. Um, and then, Paul, you're going to... Now, Paul, I believe you've seen this one. Paul, you, <laughs> Paul, you, you had a chance to see this one. First, here's a clip. You probably haven't been here before, but you have to wait in line and take a number. Oh, yeah, right. I can I can grab it oh, for you. Thank you. Yeah, I just here. Thank you. And this guy just calls out like the number completely out of sequence. Okay. It's like a weird game of bingo, All right. but no one wins. 
So, yeah. <clears throat> What's your number? <laughs> so this is how it happens. Just like that. Wow. Just like what what happens like what? That is very clever. I don't know why that's clever. What is clever? I was just number. asking what the number And then I go, oh, 18. And then you're like, no, your phone number. Oh. Yeah, you are good. How long have you been hanging on to that little nugget? I haven't. I haven't been holding on to that. That's you not a nugget. Out in a lot all. of dry cleaners and hit on perfect girls. <laughs> well, wow. all right, give me your phone. My phone. Give me your phone. I'm going to give you my number. Are you still talking Don't to me? Don't chicken out now, son. Here, come on. Amy Schumer. I think that she oh. is. <laughs> Please welcome to the Big Review Ski, Amy Schumer. She's not here. She could make it along. Um, yeah, apparently, she got kidney stones. She's not well at the minute. Yeah. Our thoughts go out to thoughts Amy Schumer at this uh, difficult time. Um, I find her very funny. What do you make of her? Yeah, uh, I quite enjoyed Trainwreck. Uh, I actually even kind of enjoyed Snatched, even though it wasn't that great. Uh, and a lot of the sketches from the Amy Schumer show. Inside or, Amy Schumer, is that the thank one? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were really, really funny as well. So yeah, for the for the most part, she is she is very funny. Oh, how is she in this film, Paul? She's quite good, actually. Uh, in it, she plays a character called Renee, who works in the fashion industry. At the start of the film, she's working in the IT department, which makes the basement and the IT crowd look positively uplifting and joyous. Uh, She's aspirations to be front of house for this uh, fashion brand, which is owned by well, well, it's it's ran by Michelle Williams. Side note: Michelle Williams really oh needs God. to do more comedy because she is really, really good in this. Her voice, yeah. <laughs> um, ultimately, uh, Amy Schumer's character Renee she suffers from uh, self-esteem and uh, personal issues. Uh, she bangs her head. And all of a sudden she wakes up and everything is sunshine and rainbow. She's got all the confidence in the world and that has a positive effect on her life. In case you're wondering, is this the plot of Big? They overtly <laughs> reference Big in the film, yep. so they are aware of doing this. Um, you know yourself, a romantic comedy will live and die on the amount of jokes that land and don't and the chemistry. The two leads do have very good chemistry. Um, and the screening we saw it in, uh, I saw it in, the jokes seem to land most of the time. And yep. the only thing is that when it isn't funny... The exposition scenes are pretty painful with Emily Ratajkowski in it. Uh, it does jar a little into like when it's comedy and it's natural, it's flowing. You're with them, you're with them, but then it does get a bit preachy and the message is kind of hammered home, not too subtly. But for the most part, I didn't. Well, I wasn't bored watching it. It didn't feel cynical or cliched or cheesy. And yeah, you will laugh at it. Right, right. I have two things. One is a bit of. Information. I don't know if you noticed at the start of it, it was a lot of funded by, and then loads of Asian companies. Yeah, I know. A lot of, lot of Chinese money apparently was put into this film, and then the entire film was filmed in Chinatown yeah. in New York. That's right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's, they're actually really, really pushing this as some kind of China angle, I guess. Like there's a lot of ch- and did, oh uh, Fiji water was in it a lot as well. There was a lot of like there was a lot of Fiji water. Yeah, so it was like oh that's not subtle at all. There is an insane amount of product placement in this film. I think one of the problems for this, for me, was that uh, like Amy Schumer, as I said, I do find her naturally really funny, but mm. she isn't a writer in this. She's yeah. this isn't her own mm. material, but she is brilliant at the physical comedy side, which she's unbelievable delivery as well. But I want to see more of her in terms of her kind of humour as well. And I know it's that old cliche of like, oh, the good bits were in the trailer. But And it's been a while since we've 
even mention that phrase but it did feel like some of the better scenes yeah. like even the clip that we heard there is like those definitely are the strongest bits and you're right but whenever it does kind of yeah I get that the message is important it's like you just gotta love yourself no matter what mm. and, you know I get that but like whenever they repeatedly kind of ram really home that message that, you're like yeah, yeah okay they I might get as well the message but turn to camera close up and then just focus on it yeah you know? I get it but make me laugh as well she I don't think she works well in, in a 12-day restriction Either. Right, yeah, yeah. And was it just me, or was everyone in this film, except for Emily Ratajkowska, every attractive person in this film, except for Emily Ratajkowska, was a horrible human being? Yes, this is true. So was uh, that for me was like the opposite point to what, of what she they was were trying, trying to, to make get to. It as was well. Like, if you if you have self worth, then that, like you'll find yourself a good person. But if you are in any way attractive, you're naturally bad yeah well some of them do have uh, some redeeming features um, uh, like not to give anything away but like people like Michelle Williams and her brother in it as well you know they, they do have their friendly moments uh, I third your point on Michelle Williams in terms of like get her doing more comedy mm, plays so used to like Blue Valentine and like uh, and Brokeback Mountain Manchester really, by the oh, Sea like heartbreaking really stuff but heavy she's, drama she's so light she's such a good gift for comedy yeah yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd like listen as a as a comedy like you've got it's a, a decent selection there. This week you got I feel pretty as I Tully uh, and in Cambodian Spring. So if you're in, which isn't as funny, not as funny at all, but still worth going to see. But I feel pretty if you're in the mood for a laugh, uh, do go along and yep. see that. Now, um, if you can't make it along to the cinema this week, Roy, you've got a little recommendation. Well, considering the week that's in it, you know Star Wars and everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Star, Star is it Star Wars? Star Trek. <laughs> so on. On and I went through Netflix and all. I was I was seeing because the only one on there is Force Awakens. Force Awakens, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming everyone's seen that because it's like the third, the third biggest film of all time or whatever. So I went and checked uh, the schedule for the upcoming the week. normal TV. Yes. So if you have a normal television and you live in Ireland or access to Irish stations, turns out right, RT One, Monday the seventh of May at nine thirty. Sing Street is on. Absolutely not related to Star Wars whatsoever, <laughs> but it is. Well, Jack Rayner. Jack Rayner was on the Han Solo shortlist, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, he. That's, that's uh, a stretch of a leap. An actor in this was almost in a, a Star Wars. Almost, film. almost. Um, Sing Street. That's a brilliant Irish film. Yeah, I uh, really, really enjoyed it, uh, and it is not Star Wars. So. Massively That's what you get for good. asking someone who doesn't like Star Wars to pick the film to, pick to the watch film. this week. Well, no, listen, listen, you know, uh, if people want to go and watch Star Wars, that's fine. I think I have watched The Force Awakens about 934 times on Netflix already. Fair. But um, yeah, Sing Street, if you haven't had a chance to see it, do go check it out. So that's Monday evening. Monday, RT1 at 9.30pm. Perfect. Now, we do have our competition high clue here for this week. And we... You know, we're always giving away some very cool movie merchandise, but I think the three of us are going to be fighting over this one. Yeah. I have here beside me one of a limited edition. Uh, it's a Monopoly board, but it's a Star Wars-themed Monopoly board for uh, to kind of mark the release of Solo. So we have a bunch of these to give away. Um, in order to be in with a chance of winning them, all you have to do is get the correct answer in uh, this week's High Clue and... Uh, you also have to uh, subscribe to yes. the big review ski as well. So, do you want to hear this one? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay, so oh, shit, first a quick recap on last week's one. Oh, um, yeah. And congratulations to Connor O'Carroll, um, who got the correct answer. Last week's one was just one person got it. Just one person got it right. Well done, Connor. A couple of wrong guesses, but uh, last week's high clue was Jules has to guard Jules. Oh yeah. 
Ali's Ali's and Ali. Yeah, I hated this one. <laughs> Mark Mark's Manhattan. And Laura Holland thought it was my one. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I did see that. So Jill Testigard, Jill's Ali's Ali's and Ali, and Mark Mark's Manhattan. Uh, as I say, congratulations to Conor O'Carroll, who is now officially one of Earth's mightiest high clue heroes. He correctly guessed that the answer was Avengers Assemble. Um, the explanation for that one was Jules was Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, the character that he plays in Pulp Fiction is uh, is Jules. Uh, he has to guard the Jules, which are uh, the Infinity Stones or the Infinity Gems from the Avengers. Uh, Allies, Allies, and Ali, which. <laughs> yeah, I this know, was, that was the one. Yeah, when I, when yeah, I listened back to it, it, it actually annoyed me more. <laughs> you don't say the word ally. What? What you am say I saying? Ali's Ali. Allies, allies. No, you didn't Ali. say allies. It's like allies, allies. Explain it. Anyway, basically, it's a reference to Ali McBeal. Uh, her ally is Robert Downey Jr. in uh, Ali McBeal, and he plays Iron Man, Tony Stark, and he's one of the allies of. <laughs> I can't say the word properly. Allies, allies <laughs> of uh, of the Avengers, and then Mark Marks in uh, Manhattan was Mark Ruffalo. Uh, who completely destroys half of Manhattan <laughs> as the Incredible Hulk in the final scene of uh, Avengers Ensemble. Um, Ensemble? It's a class film. Uh, lads, listen. Did you see uh, the Revengers toys? Oh, no. so shady. Uh, the so knockoffs are the knock terrible. Of the knockoffs of the Avengers. Where but wait, like, wasn't that the joke in Thor Ragnarok that the that Thor comes up with the name and he's like, oh, we're called the right, Revengers? Yeah. Mm. Uh, You've seen the toys. With well, uh, yeah. your man, Carl Urban, was in his character... The one of the one guys of the, yeah, with the two with the Avengers, guns. Yeah. So is it? Uh, it's not official merchandise then. No, no someone's just ripped it off. But like it's the, the title for all the characters are really really funny. It's like <laughs> like Professor Weird. And, <laughs> it's like uh, that, it's like that Rick and Morty Vindicators episode, but even yeah. weirder. I want to own them all. Uh, so as I said, for a chance to win these very cool limited edition uh, Monopoly Star Wars games, um, all you have to do is uh, subscribe to the Big Reviewski and get the right answer in this week's competition high clue. Okay, you ready? Yes. Yep. Now, this isn't rude. It's going to sound rude, but it's not rude. Okay. It's rude. Starts out chasing cock. Jesus. Judged to be believable. By a famous horse. So those three lines again. Not rude. I repeat, not rude. Starts out chasing cock. Judged to be believable by a famous horse. Sounds like a Friday. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh well, I know you guys can't say it out loud, obviously, but starts out chasing cock. Cock is one syllable. (laughs) Judged to be believable by a famous. Why did I write Friday? Oh, Did you actually write what you said, Friday? By a famous horse. Horse. Famous horse. Judged. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I've got a week to get this right. <laughs> okay. Again, uh, just like the Italy trip or any of the other prizes, neither of you are allowed to enter this competition. Okay. What about our alter egos? Yeah, that's fine. What that's about no your mate who directed that film earlier? Can he can he ring it? I told you we're not friends, Chris. Hello, call me. <laughs> um, listen, uh, thanks again, guys. Happy Star Wars Day! It's, it's been a may the fourth be with you. Uh, may the fourth be with you both. Also with, with you. you. Um, Let's go in peace to love and serve the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to next week. Coming soon. We're going to have uh, the brand new release 
from Sky Cinema, which is Anon, starring mm. Clive Owen. We're going to have a chat with Clive Owen as well. And, and, and director Andrew Nichol. And Andrew Nichol as well. And there's Entebbe, which is a very cool-looking film starring uh, Eddie Marsden and Rosamund Pike. And uh, uh, Daniel, Daniel Brühl. Directed yes. by Jose Padilla. So we'll have full reviews of those next week. But as we said, do go in peace to love and serve the Lord and to Star Wars as well. well we got full religious now. I think so. God bless you all. <laughs>